Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is blessing of unions. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. All right, we're going to try to clarify things up front. Yep. Blessing of union, not a legal marriage. Where do they differ? How are they the same? Yeah, it's really hard to find the right words for this. And we encountered that as we were coming up with the questions on the script. Because blessing of a union can be legal marriage. Okay. Blessing of union does mean marriage to many people. Okay. And what I'm trying to discuss is the difference between blessing a couple in the eyes of God versus blessing a couple in the eyes of God and under United States law. Okay. So like several years ago, before marriage equality across the country, lots of people were bringing up the conversation about how it used to be that you would have two services, that you would have a religious service to be blessed in the eyes of God and your union being kind of set, and then a legal event at a state courthouse or something like that sure, to make it legal. So two different distinct events. That's not been the case in recent years in the United States at, at I think all. it's still somewhat popular in Europe. Is it? Potentially. That's where I've heard it had its roots mm-hmm. back in that conversation. But here in the States, it's kind of all one big part and parcel. Yes. And fewer and fewer people are using religious folks anyway to do mm. weddings okay. and, and marriage blessings. Well, when way back in the day when we did our wedding podcast, it was yeah. very clear that if nothing else, fewer and fewer weddings are happening at actual churches. Oh, absolutely. And we have a retired judge in our congregation, and she does, I'd say, even as many as 15 to 20 to 1 of doing weddings. Mm-hmm. That's totally. fascinating. She can do several a week, and I might be lucky if I have five in a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's just a vast difference, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, over who is desired Sure. To do a service. And With clergy the just whole Marriage it. Equivalent Act, did yours pick up? Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Mine totally did pick up with that. Of the weddings that I do, most of them are usually for the LGBTQIA community. Okay. Which is beautiful. Yeah. But even then, I just don't do a ton. Okay. I don't do a ton of them. So you're talking a blessing of a union. And if I'm understanding correctly, it's marriage in the eyes of God, or you're blessing mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. So as far as God and the church is concerned, you two are together. Yeah. And it's binding. Well, I mean, it's... It, as much as anything can be. As much as anything can be binding. I mean, in, it's one of those pieces that that's where a truly spiritual issue comes forward. Sure. Right? When a couple makes this kind of commitment in front of family and friends and does it specifically saying that we are committing ourselves in the eyes of God to one another. We're not making it legal. We're not binding it by legalities, but we're binding it in our spirituality. It's a different kind of commitment, I think. Sure. But in many ways, I find it fascinating how folks who've done this with me take it. It is the same to them as marriage. Sure. Right. As legal marriage. And I would say that before marriage equality passed, this was their marriage 
this it was, was the only wedding. one they were going to get. Yeah, this was their wedding. I, I did a couple of services for couples who had been married for 20 years, but hadn't been legally recognized as being married mm-hmm. in those 20 years. We would do a marriage service for them as well, a legal one, once marriage equality hit. And I made it very clear in those services, you have been married. Mm-hmm. There is no question to the fact that your marriage in these last 20 years has been exactly that, a long-term commitment between two individuals raising a family and loving one another. And this simply makes it legal and binding to our government. Okay. But God has been with you and been in your marriage this entire time. And so there's lots of folks who have done this kind of a piece. It's an interesting choice. Sometimes I, like I try to work with a couple to make it real clear what we're doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I think it would be easy for someone who's not paying attention to just think that they were doing like a little thing like, yeah, recommitment ceremony Mm -hmm. versus no, we're marrying you in the eyes of God right now. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a big deal. How can we do this well? Does it look the same? I mean, do you go through the same steps? Is there a... Formal ceremony, do you use the same words that you would? Good question. It's different depending on the couple. Oh, okay. So just like different legal weddings are very different depending upon the couple. I have a kind of choose-your-own-adventure guide on putting together a ceremony. There are some differences, but to some, you wouldn't be able to tell Okay. that it isn't legal. We just don't have a license to sign at the end of it. And so there's no legal paperwork involved in the ceremony at all. Fascinating. But the but legal they'll paperwork, still go through the yeah, vows and the they can. Absolutely. And the... Absolutely. Interesting. Not the first one I did, but one of the ones that I did, it absolutely very much looked like a very traditional wedding. Do they tend to be more private or are they still family and friend celebrations? Family and friend celebrations. Okay. Yeah. But maybe not like at a public venue. Okay. Several of them have been like in the living room or in the backyard or lots of people are still present, but they're in a smaller setting. They're not renting out the crystal ballroom (laughs) or something, right? They're not spending thousands and thousands on it. Oftentimes, because the reason why people sometimes choose this is because of financial reasons. Yeah. That was going to be one of my next questions. Why would you choose a blessing of the union over, quote unquote, legal marriage? Yeah, it's an important thing to talk about because this has far more reaching consequences than people might think at first glance. So the populations that I have done this with and for oftentimes are quite marginalized. That marginalization isn't just LGBTQIA. It can also be people with disabilities. Okay, It can also be a lot of senior citizens. Oh, interesting. So what will happen is you have someone who is a widow whose spouse or a widower whose spouse was in the military and someone else whose spouse maybe was a teacher and their spouses have both died. They found one another later in life, but they're living off of the income of their loved one's retirement Uh or benefits. And particularly benefits like military benefits. They stop coming though, right? If if you remarry, mm-hmm. you lose those. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. It, it is. It's a really, really big deal. 
I would have suspected that it would have been some form of health-related issue. It, uh, it is very expensive to be unhealthy in this country. Yes. And that has often been an issue that will bring financially people down. Yeah. Whereas you love this person and you're not going to stop loving them. Mm-hmm. But do you want to incur their legal debt for the rest of your life by marrying them? Yeah. Medical debt, exactly, is one of those things that people could be not necessarily avoiding, but just very cognizant of. Oh, sure. And, you know, there have been tragic stories of people getting diagnosed with cancer right before their wedding and those kinds of pieces. But the reality then is, is that as a couple, you can either choose to get legally married and then, yeah, your spouse is on the hook for that debt. Absolutely. Or you could have your union blessed, remain as a couple, but not have the legal ramifications of the debt follow you. Mm -hmm. It's hard and it's not easy. I think that the folks that I have done this with, there are also other extenuating circumstances of, you know, receiving the benefits, as we mentioned, or having a lot of debt and not wanting to saddle a partner with that, or having just questionable situations going on. Maybe you're in a legal battle. And we think that thanks to TV shows, just like we think end of life happens super fast because TV shows have done it. drag on forever. Exactly. Legal consequences or legal battles can last years and years and years sometimes. And if you are in a situation where you are spiritually committed with one another to make it through these situations together, but legally stepping into these bindings would cause more damage than help, this is an option. And with disability, also people have talked about how two individuals who receive disability benefits, if they get married, they could lose some of that oh, income. that is crazy. And so a lot of this is under the radar mm-hmm. and we don't talk about it openly and what that then causes. I mean, we face the repercussions of it in the ELCA among clergy because marriage is the gold standard. Oh, yeah. You cannot serve in the ELCA and be in a public relationship unless you're married. Really? Because our documentation proclaims that we will be celibate outside of marriage and no one can believe that two people who live together and love one another are celibate. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, you know, you may have two people who are asexual. Yeah. Who, who do or do not, as they choose, engage in sexual activity. But because we have this expectation that loving people have sexual intimacy, then the expectation is that you will be married. And so the ramifications of it are pretty steep among at least ELCA clergy. And I would say in any community that holds that as the gold bar standard. Uh-huh. Then, which is most of which is many, North America. Right. And so then anyone who is marginalized gets further marginalized. So this kind of an opportunity to bless a union can sometimes be a middle ground. Are there any restrictions? In what way? Any two people who come to you? That would be the same as any couple that comes to me for a marriage. Okay. Right. Any couple that comes to me to bless their marriage has the same level of 
conversation, scrutiny, kind of figuring things out with them that any other couple has. So the process up front is the same? For me, it pretty much is. Okay. I mean, it's sitting down and talking and having the conversations, offering premarital counseling. I am one of those clergy that I don't, I know some clergy who refuse to bless marriages or unions or do anything for some folks that they don't think are going to make it. Okay. I have a different take on that, probably because of my own life experiences. Sure. That I would rather officiate and begin to build relationships with a couple, even if I think they're likely not going to make it, because then when stuff hits the fan, they have a community to come talk to. Okay. Rather than that feeling of, oh, well, she told us so, and all the shame that can come with that and then being too afraid to reach out and ask for help Mm -hmm. because you know, divorce sucks Mm -hmm. no matter what the reason for it is. It just sucks and it's hard and it's heartbreaking. And so legal divorce is painful and divorce annulling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? A union in the eyes of God is painful and hard. No matter what we do, when we end these kinds of covenanted relationships, It sucks. And having a community to come back to and having someone that you trust and that you've built some kind of touch point with at least offers a modicum of grace in the midst of a fairly graceless situation. Sure. So colleagues could say I'm really lax on my restrictions around these kinds of things, but I err towards grace. Sure. I would say you're very positive thinking. Well, you know, I've been through some crud in marriage land. <laughs> yep. And I know how hard it really, really is to remain in a singular, committed, monogamous relationship for a long time. It's super tough. And I think we need all the supports that we can get. Sure. Whether it's a legal or a spiritual marriage, I think it just matters to have support. So we've danced around the topic of LGBTQI relationships and whatever. Do you think this blessing of the union thing is more of a regional issue only from the standpoint of we happen to be in a place that is open when it comes to those kinds of relationships. And we're also in a place that has very little church. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I have to say all of my ministry has been in the Pacific Northwest. So I don't know. What I do know is that I have done as many heterosexual union blessings as I have LGBTQIA. In fact, I've probably done more for folks who are elderly in this situation than I have for queer folk. Oh, that's fascinating. And the individuals that I often did this for previous to marriage equality, yeah, it's been across the board. It's just marginalized individuals. And that's what I'll say is the consistency has been that it has been marginalized individuals. Yeah, and that's sadly going to be across the country, I'm sure. Likely very much is. And I think that there are plenty of folks whom, you know, no one says, where's your marriage license? When you introduce someone as your spouse. No. Right? I've never been asked for mine other than legally. Right? For bank accounts. Sure. Car paperwork, maybe, or that kind of thing. And so that's the kind of thing. There certainly are other things than someone needs to do as far as making certain you have someone appointed as a power of attorney and all of that kind of a thing. But yeah, I think that people would be surprised if they knew how many folks did this. Interesting. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you have a preference on which one you perform? I think I will say that 
legal is a little bit easier because everybody is clear on what's happening and the expectations are real obvious. Oh, fascinating. Whereas with unions... You think with unions, somebody's going to be like, well, my... Well, you spouse, for lack of a better term, my partner really it wants could this, be. so I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, it could be. And hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. You know, I try to suss that out really carefully before I do these. But I would say it's a little easier when we know it's all cut and dry and really obvious. But when you sign something, yeah. it is a lot more obvious. Yeah. But I don't mind getting down in the dirty muck of the gray, especially when it gives the chance to serve such beautiful people. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about blessing unions. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening along. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to send them to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.